2: Hey, I'm John Stevens, and you're watching Nasty Knuckles.
3: You're listening to Nasty Knuckles, the hockey outlaws podcast. With your host, Terry, Nasty, Meyer, and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer, Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off.
0: All right, welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? What's up, Rick Aurelia? What's going on, buddy? This is it, man. Just trying to stay cool. Whole studio. Oh, yeah. Studio AC.
3: AC going, and then you guys cut it off, but it's okay. Nice it's all and cool, good. Man. Yeah, it's nice and refreshing in here. It is. Smoking hot. What's going on? Not much, man. What do you think about the big Florida Panthers trade? Pretty wild. With, with Calgary. Big yeah. move. Big move. Big move. Sending uh, Matthew Kachuk to Florida to sign a trade deal. Uh, he's looking at nine point five for the next five years. Not a bad Dizzle. Not bad. Not Reminds bad. me, of your money you're pulling <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, right. Um, Far from it. Uh, pretty big trade though. Honestly, McKenzie Weger uh, going with uh, Jonathan Huberto, who had an unreal year. Yeah, uh, one hundred five points, I believe. Um, he is not as happy as Kachuk is. Uh, not. I think he voiced his you know concern. And you know what sucks is. Um, you know, he loves it in Florida. I don't know him personally, but you could I, I follow him on a lot of social media and uh, you know, talking to G and and some of the guys that you know, like Goody, like he's a great guy. Um, but he's pissed. But he doesn't have a no trade yep. you know, claws in there. And he's he's for Calgary to me, like you're getting two really good players but their deals are up next year. So Well
0: that's it. I think that's why it's so it's so heavy on the, the package going to Calgary right. is because of that. And um, I think everybody knew that Kachuk was moving out of there. Obviously he voiced yeah. that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't blame Huberto for being upset. I mean, right. what a, what a cushy little place to play and great team taxes yeah, taxes. Really I mean, tax every, dealer. everything about everything
3: about <laughs> yeah,
0: good it. About, good <laughs> team. Th- I think mean, about that one, I'd be, I'd be pissed too, um, yeah. to go to, go up to Calgary, which I love Calgary, but you know, I I can see it from his perspective, a right? A Little different climate, uh, envi- environments, and <laughs> um. But he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have a tough out of year there, and then yeah, he's gonna go to free agency. So, but uh, what a ticket uh, Kachuk signed! Man, and thanks for coming. I guess he's happy. Yeah. I mean, this guy's gonna go <laughs> down. This he... guy's gonna be on fire.
3: Yeah, I saw a lot of his uh, interviews and stuff, and he oh, was man. just through, glowing. Uh, yeah, glowing is <laughs> the word he was. Uh, but great for him and. You know, for Calgary, you know, the only thing that worries you if you're Calgary is like this guy's visibly upset and yeah. he's coming to play there. I could see him obviously like we just said, being upset, but man, like maybe keep it to yourself. Yeah. A little bit. I don't know but I don't know. But yeah. it's kinda shitty if you're Calgary and this guy's coming in and, and he's unhappy already and he hasn't, you know been there yet so i don't know <laughs>
0: we'll see how it plays out yeah, but uh yeah one thing's for sure is kachuk is happy he's very and happy. he's gonna do well down there i'm, I'm sure. wondering how He'll much wall will be up.
3: down there his dad
0: yeah i yeah, know right yeah exactly yeah.
3: well you know and uh <laughs> Sorry Keith But uh, as our good buddy Obi says If you can't tone it Tan it So <laughs> yeah, <right>. Big Walt's <laughs> gonna be <down> there
0: <laughs> Catching some rays Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tanning it up don't uh, blame in, him.
3: His other son's In Ottawa there uh, I, I have a feeling He'll be in Florida A lot more Than he's in Ottawa Yeah watching, no doubt Watching voice, but, the boys That's the truth Anyway Yeah What else is going on Ice Wars Ice Wars coming up two Yeah August 6th Our good buddy Chris Terrian Charlie Nama A.J. Galante. Yeah. Um, we have some news coming up soon about that with us as well, but uh, their second their second uh, show, or if you want to call it a show, a pay-per-view, um, first one went off great. Yeah. Lots of great tilts, and now there's people coming out of the woodwork. They oh, want to yeah. chuck knucks, and, they, oh, and they're yeah. asking for you. They're yeah, asking yeah. for rigs. A
0: welterweight division or what? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> You're lightweight oh, now. Oh, lightweight. Yeah. Oh.
3: And buck it, 80 yeah i go. know i know but um man is it awesome it's 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 such a cool thing and uh the way they do it, it's the safest i mean it's it's safe as as far as well I mean, as oh, safe dropped. as safe
0: as fighting could be I yeah guess, exactly right? helmets and
3: mma pads yeah and, and uh, mouthpiece and all mouthpiece that but, and the uh, whole bit, but, it's awesome man and, and it's really picking up speed too it's it's so much fun to watch and these guys are into it and the the owners that we were just talking about, Charlie and everyone, and AJ, man, they're dialed in, and they uh, they work hard at it. It's awesome to see, and we're hoping maybe have one come here to Philly soon. Yeah, that's well, that's the
0: word on the street. Yeah, and uh, obviously, Philly fans they won't would like chew it, that <laughs> up. Yeah, they hate <laughs> oh it. God. They'd hate it. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But uh, yeah. yeah, second event. Uh, props <laughs> to all them for. Yep. The hard work. You know, it's an interesting little space, little niche they've found themselves in. Yes, exactly. But, um, you know, it's entertainment and people are looking for something to get jacked up about and it's a unique little event. So, yep. wish them all the best in their second go at it. And then uh, we're, we're, we're going to be slugging it out and checking for charity, you know.
3: We are. We got a team going in. We're not sure where Big Phil's putting us, Phil Passarelli, but uh, we think 35 plus or the C division. Um, but we got a pretty good team we put together here. Yeah, kind nasty nucks. I'll be uh, squad. Be on the fourth line. third <laughs> yeah. line. Third line. We're line not, four. I might be there with you, there, buddy. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yeah, man, I can't wait. It's, it's a great event, and um, we got a pretty good team going in. I guess I say that we lost every game last year, but yeah, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a fun weekend.
0: Yeah, and it's so, a tough tournament, man. You is. guys come to compete. I know. And I was. I was. Shocked at the at the intensity. I was yes. hurting for weeks after, man. <laughs> My hip <laughs> you, flexors. You almost growing. got
3: a tilly, and that's the last thing you want to oh, do these days. Well,
0: you know, people are mucking it up. They and, were and chopping, chopping shit up. So I had to uh, lay the smackdown. And you, sometimes you have to. Yeah. Um, But hopefully that doesn't happen again. I'm a skill guy now, Nass. You're you know, skilled. That, I know, especially with the that Toby. Toby stick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'd be sniping. looking for some snipes and some dishes. Keep your stick on the ice. Maybe.
3: I just got to get there. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, you got to move those pins.
0: You got, you the, can, you got you, the quick little pins, man. Move gotta, those things.
3: Yeah, I just got to keep moving. Yeah. I just got
0: to keep moving. Even Sudsy yeah. says that. Keep those things moving. <laughs>
3: he's, he's, the, he's the dad that's up in the bar where everyone can see and he's holding up a sign saying 44 sucks. <laughs> like, that's my dad. Like, come on, dude.
0: Oh, he's got your back. He's, just trying, oh, to, he's yeah. just trying to get you going. trying to
3: get me. Yeah, that got me, that got me going all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love it. should
0: it. be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Having haven't played... Uh, well, besides our our men's league there, which is obviously competitive, but this is see, it seems to be another level of com- competition and There's intensity. There's some
3: sandbagging so. teams too, teams that could probably play up. But it, but in saying that as well, though, they, they do get some high end talent. Talent. Um, I mean, last year Zegers was playing here. Adam yep. Fox, uh, yeah, no Kreider, thing, right. Um, Joel Farabee. I mean, he stole the show last last year, actually, Beezer Thank God we're not in that division No, I I could fold some towels for their bench (laughs) Yeah, right, fill the 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 bottles up Never step on the ice (laughs) of those guys But it's going to be fun, looking forward to it
0: Yeah, me too And then our good friend, John Stevens In the house last week Episode eighty one. What a what an 81. awesome dude.
3: He is awesome, and I know we say it to him, but like he had a lot to do with both of us. Absolutely, um, I learned a lot from Johnny. Just a good human being, and man, family guy, and I mean, just does everything. I think he just. He, I'm sure he would say different, but it always feels like he just makes the right decision on anything. Yeah, like he's just you know such even, a thorough thinker, right? Yes. Just, oh my god.
0: Everything is so well laid out, and he he he, he does his homework, man. He, he puts does. in the time and. Like you said, like yeah, between him and Paul Holmgren, my number one fans, and, yep. and Johnny and I had a awesome relationship when we played, uh, when I played, and, and obviously continued on to now. And, um, and his new gig in, in Vegas, yeah. wish him the best there. But it was so nice to see him and, and sit down with him and kind of, Uh, you know recollect the past and and, and talk shop with him
3: I I feel like I was talking to Neil Little today and I just said to Litz I'm like dude like we could have kept him here for three hours like telling stories we didn't really get into a lot of them but like just so many good times with him and you know I was with him 10 years before yeah right you like we maybe not quite 10 but close close to 10 um and had him as a player and you talk about a pro yeah like and I know I kind of brought it up with, with Billy Barber, just kind of left. Everything was just, ask Johnny, ask yeah. Rambo what he wants to do. And he was like a coach, but he was playing. He wasn't a coach at that point. I know he turned into a coach, but uh, just a great guy. Yeah. And Absolutely. And he learned so much from him.
0: Yeah, I remember like, my first day walking into the Phantoms. And, you, you know, he's a young guy at the mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, American League coach this young. And, but then you talk to him and. Obviously, you still connect with him, but he was like very, you know, yeah. very deliberate with the way he was thinking and the way he was planning and um, much respect for him. Had some interesting sit downs with him early uh, in, in my uh, Phantoms career and um, just just appreciate everything he's done for me and just how he coached. And we talk about it in, in the episode just how how, how how stoic he looks on the bench and, and you know, and, yeah. and, and how competitive this guy is and how it, how it looks on the other end when the doors close and yeah. and things aren't going well, you know. It certainly doesn't look like the way it does for the fans. So, That's right. Um, but, you know, what, I, I appreciate that, and we talk about it, you know. Like, it's, it shows that you have an ability to control your composure, and I can remember that, you know. Like, stay composed, like stay, keep your composure, yeah. you know, because it's easy to fly off the rails and, and sure. snap and yell at the refs and throw shit, you know. And I know fans love to see that, but it's not exactly good for – uh, team morale and right. um, and, and obviously uh, for winning games when you're when you're sitting in the box for misconduct. So learn a lot from him on how he carried himself and yep, such sure. a pro, like you said. Yep. And I think we're ready to rock here. Episode eighty one presented to you by Cureleaf Medical Marijuana Dispensary in Pennsylvania as well as New Jersey and a few other states. But we're obviously in Pennsylvania and New Jersey area. So check them out at cureleaf.com for all your medical marijuana needs. Let's go nast Let's do it. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote.
3: And I'm Derek And This week, we are more than pleased to have uh, someone who has had a probably the biggest impact on both of our careers, um, a huge impact for us, Mr. John Stevens. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys. Listen to. So- truly an honor to be on here you guys have gained some notoriety with your podcast here and i feel it is a privilege to be on the show here with you guys oh. today so thanks for having me appreciate, I appreciate you coming down
3: yeah johnny i mean let's just start right at the top here three-time calder cup champion as a player as a coach as well you won two-time stanley cup champion assistant coach with la you're a winner and that's we all know that, and it, we're, we're just pleased to have you on, man. It's so good to see you. I call him the Rambo. Everybody Ramboo. laughs because his nickname was Rambo because he was a warrior, one of the best warriors I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was a privilege working with you um, and being a friend of yours for so long and, and the family and Stacey. The boss is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, she is she here is. make sure I behave, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's, let's start with what you're doing, man, uh, your new gig.
2: Yeah, pretty fortunate. Uh, Just took a position with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Um, You know, I was in Dallas for three years. Uh, They decided to make a change with the staff, and all of our contracts were done. I actually had a good run in Dallas. We're really happy and proud of what happened the three years that we were there with going through the pandemic and everything. But, you know, you're out of the game, and uh, you really have a chance to reflect. I think it's a privilege to work in the league. Uh, I think Vegas has been a great team. They've created a brand overnight, uh, obviously they made changes there as well and, um, had the opportunity to join the staff with, uh, Bruce Cassidy. I got offered the position and was excited to do. It. I'm very familiar with the West being in Dallas and LA for so long, um, and joining a team, which I think is a really good team and, and should be able to contend, uh, come playoff time. So it was an opportunity they're really excited about and, uh, looking forward to it. That's
0: great. Good spot for you. Did you know Bruce from, from the past? You know, you
2: don't, but hockey's a small world. And um, when I heard he got the job, I wanted to wait a few days and just reach out to him to see what he's doing for his staff. Um, and I went to dinner that night. I lived down in Seattle, and he called me that night. So it was kind of maybe there's something in line there. But the, I got to know Bruce a little bit. I played junior hockey against him, he was in Ottawa, I was oh, he did. in Oshawa. Okay. Um, and then when I was coaching the Phantoms, when I was a young coach with the Phantoms, he was coaching Trenton, which was our affiliate right. in the East Coast hockey league. So got to know him a little bit then and just kind of watch his career because you know, we've been in the game same same amount of time. He's you know been he was a head coach a long time ago in Washington then uh, went back to the American League, worked his way back up, and had a great run in Boston. So he's obviously had a lot of success. Uh, I think for me as an assistant coach, I've got a chance to work with some great coaches, um, and I'm looking forward uh, to work with him. Everybody does things a little bit differently. Uh, he's had a ton of success. He's been close. Our old buddy Chief, I think, knocked him off a few yeah. years ago in the final. Yeah. Uh, but he's been close, so i was really looking forward to, uh, to joining him, learning from him, and hopefully uh, with my experience uh, can help get the team the rest of the way. Oh, yeah,
0: man. No, that's great. Great fit. And uh, what are you up to in the offseason here now? Just uh, enjoying some family time, ice yeah. time with the, yeah, with the boys? I
2: do a lot, Riles. And uh, as you know, I live down in Seattle. We were in Philadelphia for 16 years with my family, so we do consider this home. My boys grew up here, so you know, they right. went to college and played Northeastern, and they got introduced as they were from Seattle City, New Jersey. So I think they're probably <laughs> the only hockey go. players from Seattle City, New Jersey. But I think in our business, and you guys can attest to this, I mean, it's a stressful business. It's busy. You work from September on. You work every day, seven days a week until you're done, and hopefully that ends sometime in June. So I always look forward to coming back to Seattle and getting recharged with the family. It's a great little town. You know, it's, it's all the people and friends that we grew up with the kids are hockey players as well, so they're on the same schedule. So they come home in the summer. I get to get on the ice with uh, my sons, Johnny and Nolan. There's lots of pros here, Johnny Gaudreau, Tony D'Angelo, which the Flyer fans will get to know, uh, the Robinson boys. So there's lots of players that get on the ice. I get out and run practices for them, help them stay sharp over the course of the summer and uh, helps me stay sharp as well. But more than anything, it's just a little bit of downtime Uh this year, especially because I'm making a change, i got to sell a house, i got to find a new place to live. I was just out in Vegas for development camp, so it's going to be a busy summer just because it's a change of scenery, uh, but still going to find some time to recharge the batteries down and see how, where I love to be.
3: That's awesome. You guys have great facilities there in Vegas. Uh, I haven't been able to go personally to the practice I went to the other one. I think it's a new one now, correct? You guys have a new one there?
2: Brand new one in yeah. Summerlin when you're out in the Red Rock Canyon is correct. Oh, man.
3: Yeah, right. Not a bad um, place to be. I, we this maybe uh, maybe we need to ask Stacey this, but I, I'm hoping you're you're gonna get three bedrooms. So when I visit a lot that's <laughs> <Yeah, right. You laughs> the boss that's Kurt
2: you know it's funny because we went to Dallas and we ended up buying a house there and there's just two of us we bought a four bedroom house so we don't need this much house but you do, you do I mean right? the kids come for Christmas You yeah, people like to come visit and from what I understand you get more visitors in Vegas oh, I'm, sure. I'm sure right <laughs> people that you never come to visit you're going to want to come see you this year so yeah. uh, that's something that's in the plans we, we got to find a place but certainly going to be more than two bedrooms
3: yeah good uh, I'll, I'll be hitting you guys up soon don't right. worry
0: that's great. And, um, you know, uh, Nolan and and John, obviously, playing pro, so, you know, as a hockey dad, also a coach, obviously, nice to get on the ice with them and, and, and do what you do best, is be a father, but teach hockey.
2: Yeah, and you know what, it's, um, I mean, it's, probably easy to say at this point but my kids grew up around the game with you guys and coming in the locker room and seeing those phantom teams and they've always loved the game i think because of that i think we were fortunate we had really good teams and really good people and they were they were really uh, drawn to that environment if they didn't want to be hockey players did something else i'd have been totally fine with it Uh, but they're they went to college they played three years together at northeastern on the same line which is that's That's pretty wild wild. so cool they had did play in the pandemic year they played together in Utica the one year but now Johnny's with Vancouver and he was in Abbotsford last year had a big great year a year Led the American League in shorthanded goals. Really had a wow. pop year offensively for him. And he's a, he's a good player. You know, and not just because he's my son, both of them. If I was coaching, they're, they're, they have good team values. They take care of the people around them. They make sure they're looking out for everybody else.
3: Well, who does that remind you of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
2: so, but I do. I enjoy it. And and they, they love to train. They're playing hockey, pursuing their dreams. They're getting paid to do it. Trust me, they get paid a lot better than we, we did. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, was yeah, right yeah. I said, you guys are making how much? So, I was making $24,000 <laughs> as a my league uh, yeah. be their agent yeah. A little cut of that. So, but they're both playing. Uh, Nolan just signed with New Jersey, and he'll. Uh, they're minor league teams in Utica, right. and oh, he'd yeah. been there before. So, they're both still playing. Both. We just got off the ice in Atlantic City before I came up here. Oh, okay. And there's lots of pros that get on the ice. Johnny Gaudreau, the Robinson boys. So fortunate to have those guys around and and, and get some good skates in and keep them sharp. So, but they're uh, they're home. They have the same schedule we do, which is nice, meaning they have an off season like we do, so we get yeah. to spend lots of time together. Unfortunately, in our business, I I don't get to see them much during the year once the season starts probably see them once a year is probably christmas and occasionally if we cross paths you know last year we were in san jose and johnny was in san jose at the same time so i got a chance to have dinner with him and watch him play that day but other than that you only get to see him a couple times a year which is, is one of the drawbacks of our business and the time commitment that's necessary during the season
0: yeah it's true no for sure and then uh, i wanted to ask you know like around coaching like you've been coaching since 1999 and obviously the game's evolved a ton since then. As far as coaching goes, like has, has your style of change, you know, your approach to the game changed much or, you I mean, you've always been a very detail oriented guy going back to when I, you know, played for you, but uh, obviously analytics have changed yeah. philosophy around coaching change. Uh,
2: you know, I think I continue to evolve Riles. I, I like to think I'm a good student of the game. I, I think when, you, Derek knows me really well as a player. You know me as a coach. Derek knows me as a coach and a player. I mean, I, I'm a very disciplined, structured thinker. Right. So to me, there's certain parts of the game, there's black and white. There's no gray. And I think in the early part of my coaching, that might have um, held me back a little bit just because, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine not doing it this way. And then you have these creative guys um, that do it differently, but are still great players. And I can never forget Ken Hitchcock told me when I first started coaching, he said, You're going to have trouble with this at first. I go, What do you mean? He said, Well, you're a, a motivated, self motivated guy, and you're a structured guy. And when a coach tells you to do something, you do it. And now you're going to be telling people to do something, and they're not going to do it. And you might have a tough time with that at first. And it was really good advice because he was right. Mm. So like if a coach told me to run two miles, I ran three. Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I told you to bump a guy on a face-off, then make sure you're ready to go, right? And so when you're missing assignments to me that are black and white, I think I was really stubborn. And so I had a great experience in Philly, and then I got to work with Dean Lombardi in L.A. And he really challenged me on that. He said, you got to be a little more open-minded. You can. And so what I learned from that is you just got to be quiet and listen sometimes. And if there's a better way, then I'd like to hear it. But I want to know why, and I want to know how to teach it. And I think I've really been a lot more open to that. Uh, The part that hasn't changed for me is that I think if you're going to coach people, um, you have to establish relationships of trust. And I always felt with the Phantoms, you know, it didn't matter if it was your fourth-line guy, which Raleigh was, no disrespect. Uh, If it was your first-line guy, Mike Richards or RJ Umberger or Patrick Sharp, I felt that everybody had a chance. Guys that you thought were going to make it wouldn't, and guys that you thought wouldn't make it would. And I thought everybody deserved a chance. So in order to do that, I thought relationships with your players was really important. So when you pushed them, they understood that you cared about them. Uh, I think the best players want to be pushed. You know, people always ask, what's it like coaching guys that are making uh, huge money? I said, well, to be honest with you, it's no different. The, the best players want to be pushed. You know, I had Kopitar and Dowdy in L.A. I had Mike Richards and Jeff Carter here. Uh, those guys all want to be pushed. They want direction. They, they, they want to be held accountable. They, they want to become the best at their trade so they can help the team uh, have success. So, you know, I, I think today's player has changed. We didn't have cell phones, we didn't have social media. Yeah, that's true, you, that's know, true. I, you know, you know, you used to be able to call a guy and he answer the phone. Now you call a player and he's, he says my voicemail's full. <laughs> okay, yeah, right, okay. yeah. So, voicemail is obsolete. So, now I've had to learn how to text. So, i odd text you and say, when can I get a hold of you? When are you available? And you know, so that stuff works there. I, uh, I'm not a big social media guy, but the players are. Yeah, uh, you know, Certainly the fans are. I think it's helped grow the game. So I think you've had to adapt with that stuff for hours. And the analytics to me is just more information. Yeah. I, I think as coaches, um, you can't ignore it because it's not going away. But to me, that information has to help the players and it has to help them now. And it has to help the coaches point in a direction. I think the analytics should support decisions and not make decisions. Right. And yeah, Daryl Sutter like I work with in LA was great with that stuff. Like he we get information, he said, Okay, his first question was how are we helping the players? So if I threw all this information at the players, they didn't care. You know, we used to rate the players in LA and then I give a sheet and a guy like Drew Doughty, and we give him all this information back and he would look through all, you know your expected goals for your expected goals against chances for chance against the only stat he cared about was his rating he all he cared about was what the coaches thought of his play hmm. and this guy's one of the he's one of the best defensemen i've had yeah. in my time in national hockey league and uh, best defender i've ever coached uh but he is a free thinker and i had to meet him somewhere in the middle with my structure and his freedom so we made a deal i'll give you freedom with discipline i'll give you the freedom to play but you got to have the discipline to Play within the system of the of the structure of the team. So, and again, at the end of the day, I think good players want that. Right. Good players want to be pushed. Uh, I know they're going to find that out with towards coming here. I know you guys were talking about that the other day. But I, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of respect there, and uh, uh, the players become better at what they're doing, and that's ultimately what they want, so they can help the team have the most success they can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the one thing I remember, and you kind of touched on, it, is the, the communication part. Like, like players want to be communicated to. They want to hear what you have to say so they can maybe fire back and, sh- you know, share their opinion because that goes a long way. And, and another thing too is like, you know, going back to like 04, like you knew all the guys' wives' names and girlfriends' names, which is like a, a big, a big yeah. piece of like knowing your players because that builds that, that trust and that confidence for that two-way street. Yeah, you know, that's really
2: important, Riles. That's a great point. I think the one thing about the pandemic that hurt us is that, like, we, didn't, we weren't able to get together with the team, and we were not have functions with the families there. And so, I mean, I, I remember when I took the Flyers over, it I, I was uh, Darian Hatcher, who I had a ton of respect for. He was partnered with Freddie Meyer, and I asked Freddie Meyer if he knew Hatch's kids' names. And he didn't. And I'm like, well, how can you not know their names? Like, if you have my partner, I'd have you over for dinner three days a week. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. and But it's, it's no disrespect to what was going on. I just think a team that knows each other at that level is going to play harder for each other when it translates on the ice. So I always felt, you know, the team that loves each other is going to play hard for each other. And it sounds corny, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, totally it's a true. tough grind. You're in a really hostile environment when you step over the boards. And there's got to be an element of trust and care for each other that's going to translate into success. I've always felt that. And, um, you know, those relationships are important. And the communication is probably the biggest thing that's changed. And I think one of those things that has helped me the most is having two boys that play the game. I see what feedback or lack of feedback does to them. Yep. And I always tell this story, and I'll share it with you quickly. We were playing on the island when I was with the Kings, and we uh, played in Long Island up losing game in overtime, and Alec Martinez had a great game and was one of the best players on the ice. But he had this brutal turnover in overtime, that end up costing us the game. And if you know Alec Martinez, he's just beating himself up. So I'm on the plane, we're heading out, and I'm sitting. I'm going to watch the game. I said I'll talk to him tomorrow. And I all of a sudden I'm thinking about my two kids, John and Nolan. They'd be beating themselves up there. So I slam my computer shut. I walked in the back of the plane. Marty's there, and he's like, "What?" And I go, "Move over." So, <laughs> so, I said, so I said, "Listen, you know, you had a hell of a game tonight. You know, if we take that last playoff, that ended up costing us the game, you're probably one of the best players on the ice." I know. Yeah. I said, "Well, listen." park it and move on don't do it again <laughs> yeah and he and you know but he just looked at me and said all right well if I hadn't have gone back and talked to him he wouldn't have slept that night right because right. he's beating himself up because he cares and I thought you know let's deal with it now rather than late, wait till later because that's going to help him move on and get ready for the next game so it, it's a good lesson for us as coaches you know when you're dealing with people and feedback maybe it's not what you want to do but if it's going to help the situation help the player help the team then you got to figure out what's best in that situation
0: yeah, that's that's good insight for sure. And Nasty's known you know way back to when you were yeah. playing and, and seeing that evolution. Oh, I mean. man,
3: yeah. He, I always joke around. I, I, we had Jimmy Montgomery on a, a while back, and I was like, Billy used to make me laugh because I'd I'd go downstairs with like a serious question. and I'd be like, Hey, what are we gonna do about? Just check with Johnny and uh, whatever he says. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. All right. So he. And then sometimes it was like uh, just just touch base with Johnny Kosher. And, and see what they want to do and i'm like okay so he's like i'm heading to delaware <laughs> get me on the cell if you want. He always say it he would leave but um, I, I wanted to bring up obviously some of the best years of my life uh you know especially those first couple of years and, and even when you came but uh talk about billy and Stutsy and and our team uh back then i mean what a ride it was awesome the team was new the building was basically packed you know most of the time anyway, in the big rivalry. We have a Hershey, Hershey yeah. a Ross. It was Ross. Incre- it was incredible. But uh, we fell short the first year, but the second year we, 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 we got it done. But um, it, it was just an awesome time. It was.
2: And, you know, it's funny because it's a, probably the best years of my career were when I came back here. Like, I came back here as a 29-year-old veteran. Uh, I'd, been, I'd gone to the Hartford Whalers and played in Springfield for six years. My contract was done. The year previously, Billy Barber had taken over Hershey halfway through the year because they had struggled, and then that was when the new building was opened up so the Flyers were were moving across the parking lot and the Spectrum was going to be empty. So everything kind of aligned where Billy was going to come with the team to Philly. Um, They were going to have their franchise here and take over the Spectrum because it was going to be empty because the Flyers are moving across, to I think it was Wells Fargo or yep. Core State Center. Remember, yeah, maybe it's Core been, State. There's yeah, been right. a it's million been, names the name. since then, right? But, Five times. So they called and said, would you want to come? I said, would I want to? Yeah, absolutely. And um, our son Nolan was born that summer. And I can remember walking into Holly the first time, yeah. running to Derek and Chris Felix and Billy, because they were getting set up, because the rink wasn't ready for a pro team. We were upstairs with all the...
3: We're Dunlops is. Oh,
2: yeah, right. Where yeah. The bar is. It was awesome. But we came there and you know, Clarkie was a gentleman. It was brilliant what they did because you had so many parallels to the past. You had Bob Clark was the general manager. Billy Barber was the coach. Uh, they used to do TV games probably six or seven times a year, and they brought Gene Hart out of retirement. So Gene was calling the games wow. with Coatsy. And, you know, then they went out. And back then you didn't have a veteran role. So... I came to training camp. But we were like an expansion team. We had Peter White, yeah. Craig Darby, Sean McCosh, and then there was a line of tough guys that went around the corner. with. They wanted a <laughs> yeah. the big, heavy Frankie Bialos and Brian Curran and Davey McIsaac and Clayton Norris. Some guys didn't yeah. even uh, Tony Horcheck yeah, Those track, guys were all yeah. here. But we had too many guys, but you looked at it at the end of the day, we're going to oh. sprinkle in some young guys. But we had a really good team. Right out of the gate. And that's my biggest regret is we didn't win that first year. Yeah. Because I thought that was a heck of a team. But give Hershey credit, we had a 3-2 lead in that series, too, and lost, like, double or triple overtime in there and then end up losing game seven. But made amends the next year. But those teams in that building was unreal. They packed out. We had... I bet you we had ten sellouts here. With Seventeen thousand people wow, playing man. the style that they'd remember from the old days, and the same thing with the price of Texas, What it used to be back in the day, Yeah, 70s, yeah, yeah right? no kidding, it was a lot right? cheaper. But Billy was unreal. Like Billy was kind of an old school guy, but you're around those guys that have won, you got to understand why they won. Like if you talk to Bob Clark, it's everything's about the team. Nothing comes out of his mouth that doesn't steer towards the team. And Billy's the same way. But Billy push, push, push all the time. And he always wanted to be better. So as a player, sometimes you could be winning. We were better. So sometimes we were winning just because we were better. We were playing awful. Yeah. He wouldn't let you off the hook. I can remember being in Binghamton one night. We were up 4 or 5 nothing. He comes in just between periods, just giving it to us after two periods. He leaves, and one of the guys, uh, I don't have to tell Derek who did, but one of the guys, <laughs> he said, well, you has got to settle down. He's got to settle down. And I stood up, and Sean McCaw stood up and said, sit down. He's right, like shut your mouth and let's get going because we were awful yep. but we were winning because we were just better than everybody else and I think Billy always knew that at the end when we were playing the best teams if we weren't at our best it wasn't going to be good enough and so Billy was always pushing hard, hard, hard and he probably had the perfect compliment in Mike Stuthers because Stutzy yeah. was kind of even-keeled even though he was a hard-nosed player in his own right but he was even-keeled you know I think he had a lot of input in the structure of practice we love practice high tempo high intensity tough work days early in the week and I think they offset each uh, other really well. And I think they uh, had great chemistry on the bench yeah. that really crossed over to the team. So we, we always had team parties at our house, whether it was uh Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving dinner, and Stutsy and Billy would come by just like they're part of the team. And, Probably uh, someone that's worth mentioning too is Billy's wife Jen. She yes. was unbelievable at bringing all the girls together. So the, just the the cohesion of that team was incredible, and that's probably one thing that I tried to take out of there into the, the teams that we coached when I took over the Phantoms when Billy moved on. I got the opportunity to coach with just how important that cohesion was. Right. And uh, you know, Philly always had tough teams. You know, yep. we had you know the year the year they were you know, we were we were never going to get pushed around. And, and quite honestly, when I coached in Major League, I thought if you had young players that got intimidated, it hurt their development, right? Believe that. And, and so young guys that get intimidated, so you might set them back a year or two, and some of them you might lose them. But in Philadelphia, I think we always had the opinion that you know these young guys should be able to develop and not be out there and be afraid. It was a different world back then, and it was it was it was a it was an intimidating league, and it still is. And yep. I think your young guys they got to learn to be men. They got to learn to compete and play hard in those situations. But they shouldn't be intimidated to the point where they can't perform the way they should. And I don't right. I don't think we ever let that happen here.
3: Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, Johnny, uh, just something popped in my head when the year, uh, the lockout year, when you your head coach and, and we ended up winning. I remember, I'll never forget, we're playing in Albany. And uh, their equipment guy, a good buddy of mine, Jay, and he, he like came on home. He goes, I've never seen a group of men so scared in my life. And I'm like, what? what do you mean? He goes, these guys all are talking about how tough you are. We don't even want to play this game tonight. And yeah. he was serious. He was like, they're actually scared to death. And I'm like, oh my God. Ryan Reddy told us a story too the year before. a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh man, he, he was tough. Uh, Izzy. he? Uh, but uh, he was telling us that um, when he was here, I can't remember who the player was. I, I think it was Cincinnati and he was the captain of their team. And it was a Sunday. It was three. They had played three and three. So had we. And uh, he's like, our bus pulls in. You may he may have told the story to you too. He's like that. Their captain's telling Izzy this, and he was telling me. He's like, we pull down. It's like we get out of the bus. There's not many lights on in this in the spectrum, you know. And it's like guys are like I think there's blood on the walls, you know, like already just being in the spectrum. And uh, he said uh, before the game that whoever their captain was, I can't remember the name, but he was just like, hey boys, let's just play smart and not get these guys wound up. They got all, <laughs> yeah, all
0: his they, they, Yeah, his meat. Yeah.
3: He's like, they got all these guys, and he says, uh, he's like, we go out for warm-ups, and it, I think Josh Gratton had smoke coming out of his nose, and it's a Sunday at three, you know, three on, uh, after, back, you know, three on uh, three games in a row. And uh, he says, first shift, someone did something dumb, and we, you know, someone took a, grabbed a hold of a guy and beat him, and <laughs> we're up, like, 3 nothing. They come in after the period, and the guy's like, Kicking coolers, the captain. I told you guys to fucking not be idiots. Like now we got to deal with this for two more periods. But uh, you're right; they were tough. And, and the first, the uh, first and second year when you played, Johnny, we had a tough team. And I used to love it because Johnny was a hard nosed player. And yeah, fought, sure. battled. Um, used to break up branches every game, which I still don't know how you did. I don't know how guys walked after you these double extra stiff branches. Um, but uh, I just remember like it was so funny. Like you would go to take up for yourself. And Stapes or somebody would try to jump in, and you would be almost fighting Stapes Fight. to get away. And, then, and Billy would be on the bench going, "Don't let him get into it." And then you would, <laughs> Johnny would come back to the bench, and be like, "I can fucking take care of myself." I was just like, Jesus Christ. But it was awesome, man. It was just so much fun to watch you play and how you capped. And you were, you were kind of coaching then almost, really. I mean, yeah, you, like you said, you were kind of a veteran. You played with the Flyers. You went to Hartford. You played there and on springing and everything. But uh, it was just so much fun. It was it, I swear it was like the best time. Like I think I I had in hockey, you know, uh, one one of the best times those those first few years. And then when when you played, it was so much fun.
0: Did you come in as like a player assistant at that time or you had no intention of coaching at that moment?
2: No, I I didn't. uh, I did have intentions as I got late in my career. But I'll tell you a funny story. But uh, just to touch on that, like we had tough teams, but our guys could play. Yeah. You know, That's the true. year we won 0405, um, Riles was in the lineup every night on the fourth line and was just a menace on the four check. I don't think Riles had a fighting major the entire playoffs that year. If I can. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think so. But no. drew lots of penalties because it was the right thing for the team. And then when Ryan Reddy broke his ankle in the finals, we moved Josh Grattan up on the left wing with. Jeff Carter and Patrick Sharp, that's right. That's right. And, and filled in admirably there. So we knew our our guys need to play. We uh, Chief would work with guys. Uh, forget Craig Bruby was assistant coach yeah, on that team. Right. So it, it was. Um, you know, it, it was a hard-nosed team. Ben Eager was on that team in yep. the lineup every night. Todd Fedork was on that yeah. team in the lineup every night. But these guys could play, and they could forecheck, and they could contribute, right? And that's what that's what made it tough on teams. But I got into coaching a little bit when I was with Hartford because it was at, I was getting older and trying helping out with young guys. Not so much coaching, but mentoring young players. Okay. And then when I came here, I'll never forget this. Um, we lost the first year to Hershey, and we ended up winning uh, the next year. And it was in the Spectrum, was sold out, doing an interview on the side of the rink before I get upstairs. By the time I got upstairs into the locker room, you could hardly move in there. Mr. Oh, Schneider was in I got there. i pictures. He was that. so excited. I mean, just think of a championship in that locker room again after oh, so many sure. years. So I walk across the hall, and I just got my pants on. I got my shoulder pads off, and I wanted to have a beer and say hello to Clarky and Billy. So we are just talking, you know, just having a beer, relaxing after we just won. Clark, he looks at me and he goes, Hey, there's uh Roger Nelson's got a coach's clinic next weekend. I think you should go. <laughs> I said, Oh, really? He goes, Yeah, he goes, oh. you go, oh, we'll pay for it. Uh, I said, Yeah, you know, I'd like, uh, he goes, Yeah, he's it's really good. He's got something to learn. He goes, y- You should start thinking about that. So I took him up on it. I went with Stutze. He went to the, I probably went 10 years in a row. Oh, wow. You get the, it's I over a weekend. Unfortunately, it's always over Father's Day weekend, but. You know, it was literally days after we won the cup and I was still planning on playing and we just, you know, I was yeah. at the top of the mountain as a player and Clarkey had the foresight to say, you should start looking at this. Sent me to the clinic. You know, there's seminars all weekend long from people in the business and coaches in the NHL. And I thought it was uh, really helpful. Uh, and then I played, like a, I think I played, uh, after the year we won. I only played about a half year, got an eye injury and then got right into coaching again through the Flyers. I mean, uh Bob Clark called my wife and told him I was coaching before he told me I was coaching. (laughs) But it's not often you get the opportunity to go right from playing right to coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And then not often you get an opportunity to be a head coach in the American League with very little experience. I remember Homer calling me on the phone and said, do you want to coach the Phantoms? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, come see me tomorrow. And I hung up the phone, and then I would start shaking. Like, okay, yeah, how yeah. <laughs> do I figure this know? out now? Yeah. <laughs> but I think he figured I'd work at it, which I did. And But he gave me the opportunity, he and Clarky and I consider and tell you all the opportunities I had playing and coaching have rooted from the Flyers, Bob Clark, Bill Barber, and Paul Homer. And so they're extremely instrumental in my life and, and still are. I can still consider them good friends and people that I look up to more than anybody else in the business.
0: Well, that's awesome. So – so you went to that coaching clinic, and then you had an eye injury that next year, and then was that that's how you that's how you went out yeah, of the game? Yeah, so right?
2: exactly, Roz. I went to the clinic, came back, trained, went to training camp, and then so that was '98, '99. So we won in '98. Yeah. And it was late in the middle of December, I had, we were in Kentucky, it was just boxing a guy out, slap shot, hit me in the eye, crushed the bones around the eye, but really damaged the eye. And had the retina became detached. That I lost the, most of the that's vision awful. in the aisle in the eye. So I couldn't really count on one eye to see. So I actually rehabbed to the point physically where I thought I could play, but I just that's when my retina became detached and I had a retinal surgery. So I was out for probably two months where I couldn't do anything. I was in the hospital. My optic nerve was swollen. I mean, there was lots of medical issues. I had to get the bones fixed in my sinus bone, my orbital bone. That was all had to be redone. Oh, wow. But once I got healthy, if you guys remember that year, somebody was, it was either Cash or uh, Roger had to take a leave of absence because they had illness. Um, Is that one, when
1: Rammer came in?
2: Rammer came in. Stutzy went out, remember?
3: Yeah, that's
2: right. And then... Um, so, Billy was kind of by himself. So, Al Hill had gone on a trip. Homer, I think it helped right. a little bit. That's right. So, once I got healthy, then I just jumped in and tried to help. Because you had the VHS tapes back there. You didn't <laughs> have the DV, You don't have the video systems they have now. And uh, with AP, you know, he's yeah, still here. Yeah. We, we, we hired the first video guy in the history of the American Hockey League right here in Philadelphia. And that was Adam Patterson. That was Patterson. Adam Patterson. Wow. Yeah, nobody had a video guy at that time. So, But Holy. then the next year, Stutsy came back. So, we started the year with Billy, Stutzy, and I. Yeah. So, I still had two years left on my playing contract. Flyers said just, you know, we're going to play it out as a coach. And uh, early in that year, I think Roger was fighting cancer at that time. So he left and Rammer took over. So Stutze went back up because he and Rammer had a great relationship. So I was the assistant with Billy that whole year. And uh, it was at the end of that year that Billy didn't want to coach the American League any year anymore because he put time in. And he joined the Flyers as an assistant, so I took over as the head coach of the Phantoms. And that was the first year we went to the new building in Voorhees. That's right. So I coached there for um, from 2000, 2001 uh, until uh oh five, oh six, and then I went up and joined the Flyers.
0: Wow, what a transition. Yeah.
2: So fortunately, I was in Philadelphia through all those different hats I wore. And so my family had continuity.
0: Yeah, right. You know,
2: I finished playing here. I was assistant coach with the Phantoms here. I was a head coach with the Phantoms here. Fortunately, we had success there. And then I was assistant for a short time with the Flyers, then became the head coach with the Flyers. So I had a long run here, which is really good for your family time and having roots in the community, which was a great community to grow up in.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people, I'm like, thank God Hitch loved you. And it's the only reason he probably talked to me it was because, Johnny, I remember you saying to me, uh, Hitch was asking me about, like, you. And I said, and he was pumping my tires because we've been together so long. So, Hitch was always, like, so nice to me. I don't know if you remember before the first game <laughs> that year, we're in Pitt. And uh, I think we lost 3-0, but Forsberg was, you know, that year. It was the worst year in Flyers history as far as the, you know, the record. But – we competed and everything all through. You took over early on, obviously in that season, but it was so funny. Like you know how jacked up I'd be. Like, oh I yeah, was, like, scaring red off and everything. Yeah. And I like came into that little room in Mellon Arena, and you guys and Murph were in there, and uh, I'm like. I'm like, hit you like, right like right on him. You ready to go? Over here? <laughs> Jesus Christ, young Derek, get out. You need to calm down. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, it's big game. Game one. He goes, Yeah, but Kick, get, get off the Red Bull, man. <laughs> get off the Red Bull. <laughs> and these guys are like, I don't know if anyone's ever like gotten in a hitch's face. No, right? Probably not. And uh one of the funniest things, and we've talked about this too, Johnny. I I think I told you this, but one of the funniest things that ever happened, we're, we're in uh we're playing uh, what's the name of that arena in uh, New Jersey, Continental Airlines. So we're playing there. But in the morning, they had a flood in the locker Like, it came down through the locker room, and we didn't know if it was from toilets overflow. they didn't know what it was, so I called Hitch, and uh, he's like, I'm on my way. I'll check it out when we get there, you know. And I'm like, okay. So he gets in there, and he sees it. He's like, okay, we're not going to be able to have practice. So we start, Harry and I started taking the jerseys down, start getting the game stuff out, and he goes, young Derek. <laughs> What's that song, My Hips Don't Lie? And I'm like, by Shakira? Yeah, put that on. <laughs> so I just, put it on the old iPod or whatever the thing's. <laughs> and he stood there and chewed gum. He tapped his foot. Yeah, the yeah. whole entire four minutes no of the hips, song, no hip movement. He didn't do any hip movement. No, no, no thank God. <laughs> but uh, he tapped his toes and listened to it. And he goes, "Okay, I'll see you guys tonight." You know, <laughs> let's just bring Shakira, the gang Shakira. in. I mean, yeah, Shakira, Shakira. We actually put a pretty funny video up of that. But that was that was really funny. But Hitch was really nice to me, thanks to you, because uh, you know, he, he I love Hitch, but like sometimes he wasn't. You know, he didn't want to talk to people, so it was it was cool that Johnny Johnny kind of. Helped me out there. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny. I enjoyed Hitch. He made me laugh. And I don't think he'd ever had anybody jump, try to get him fired up. Probably not. <laughs> no, Probably not. Probably not. not. He probably never did again. Yeah. He probably never did You again.
0: probably learned a ton from Hitch, eh? You guys are kind of like unreal. different different type of teachers, but yeah. he's more like way X and O and no experience with playing. And H- Hitch was
2: unreal. And uh, he took over and I was coaching the Phantoms. And um, he would have us down all the time. And the, the the biggest year was the lockout year because they didn't play all year. And but he was around a lot. And there was like a mirror upstairs. He would stand behind it so you couldn't see that he was there. But he watched us practice all the time. I don't know if you guys remember. We started the year that 17 and two. At that time, we won 17 games in a row. It was an American League record Jeffle, for yeah. 70 years. Mm-hmm. And he would call me down and say, "Okay, how are we going to get the team to the next level?" Or I would talk to him. And say, "This guy's driving me nuts." He said, "John, you're spending too much time. It's not going to matter. Your locker room's strong enough." And but he would all the time i had to give him a copy of my practice plan he would watch us practice and he would notice something And you got to pay attention to this your three on twos your net drive's not hard enough he has the uncanny ability to be point on when he sees something so in between periods or if you're talking about one part of the game whether it's your forecheck reload d zone coverage he, he does it in such a precise point on manner that you get the point right away you're not sitting there saying, "What the hell did he just say?" Like your players leaving, you're confused, saying, "Okay, what just happened?" <laughs> yeah. You don't get that with Hitch, right? It's point on, it's very clear and black and white, and and I love that about him. So, you know, his practices had purpose. He wanted tempo all the time. He pushed guys hard, and um, he was very open to me. I, I'm very appreciative of that. I'm still good friends with Hitch. Still talk That's to him. Great. And uh, learned a ton for so for a young coach trying to learn his way, having that type of mentor around as much as he was, um, it was a terrific experience for all of us.
0: Yeah, I bet, and you probably learned some stuff from you too, right? I think there's always like that exchange and and learning from your yeah. peers, right? Because uh, I mean, you yeah. you play, you're a warrior, you know what I mean. You're learning again stuff that he might not have a, a pulse on.
2: Yeah, and I remember one of the first times I met Titch, and he was I didn't know him very well. We went to training camp, and the Flyers were an unbelievable team then. That's when he first got here, and they're they're a huge team. You, had, you know, uh, we, uh, Keith Primo was here, and uh, Donald Brashear was one of their wingers. They they were just monster. Back end was huge. Ratchy, yeah. Hatch. I mean, they were a big, strong team, right? So we go to training camp. We're doing all these battle drills. We had all these kids out of college that year. We had Freddie Meyer. We had Randy Jones. Oh, right. Um, uh, Joey Hope was another guy. We oh, had God, a yeah. Little guys, right? Yeah. Wade Skolny. But they're kids. Right? They're going and they're playing against seasoned men on a, on a team that was contending for the Stanley Cups. So the, and they were all dialed in in training camp. So we're doing these battle drills. So he calls me down after. He goes, "Ty John, what's going on with your defenseman? I just I had him a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right? He goes, you mean to tell me we signed all these guys? I go, I go, Hitch, hey, cut him a break. I mean, they're going against Primo and all these guys. Like yeah. they have no, no chance. You know what they're. You know, so much anxiety, they're just <laughs> yeah. shaking in their boots even being on the ice. And ironic thing was a bunch of those guys playing the National Hockey League got great careers, you know, Randy Jones and Freddie Meyer, all these guys. Yeah. They were just right. Randy Jones come out of Clarkson and Freddie come out of uh, school as well. So it's like, you know, we, these guys need time. And they were good players, but, you know, Hitch wanted to Like, now, I want to go now. And he he wanted a team that was ready to win. So he kind of pushed those young guys aside and moved on. But uh, that was my first experience with Hitch. But he has he pushed his heart. Yeah. And he even guys that were older guys coming to training camp, going through the motions. He called me. He called me down. So you got to get on these guys. You know, they don't 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 let them glide through training camp. So right. he was really good like that. And we had lots of conversations. I shared my whole year plan with him and practice plans that year because he wasn't coaching. Because he saw, you know, liked a lot of things we were doing. I think he probably stole a drill or two. So i no, sure. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, he did. Right? He might claim the fame with Hitch, but he, you know, he's had a ton <laughs> of success. Uh, and I think he's done a really good job as an older coach, mentoring a lot of the younger coaches, still does it, yeah. uh, and is willing to share his information to help guys uh, that maybe he didn't have when he was a young coach. Right. And yeah. to, your,
0: to, your, to your point there on uh, Freddie Meyer and Randy Jones, like, I've always heard that like H- Hitch maybe didn't necessarily trust the young guys as much and you lean more on you know the older guys. Would you say that's true? And is that probably why maybe he was like that or just wanted these guys develop a little quicker than, than, than possible? Well, you know,
2: I, I think – Coaches, I want to say back then, I think there was always room and patience for a veteran player. Right. I think you always felt that a veteran player had been through the wars before and when push came to shove in the critical times, like a playoff, right. um, the young guys couldn't do it. And I think that probably held true for a long time. You could have maybe one guy, a young guy could help you along. Like, you know, I, I, I tell people the example of the, um, with Patrick Sharp, they went to Game 7 against Tampa Bay the year that Tampa Bay won the, when Torch was coaching yeah. Tampa. Patrick Sharp, dressed in Game 7, never got a shift. So, you know, because you didn't want that young guy to be out there and be nervous and maybe make the mistake that's going to cost the game because the margin for error when you're playing good teams and certainly in the playoffs is tight. Like our first cup we won in against New Jersey. Both games in New Jersey we won 2-1 overtime so we go home up to nothing feel really, really good about ourselves knowing that we could have been going home down to nothing right, right so right. i think that's part of the reason why coaches veteran coaches think like that but i do think that's changed yeah and i think it's changed over the last 10 years you know if i look at the team we had in la and the contribution we had from young players it was incredible if you look at the byram kid and mccar kid for yeah, uh, right. colorado oh, yeah. i mean mccar's he's probably a prodigy he's probably a generational talent I mean, I don't think you see many of cars come along, but so, okay, well, we give you that one, but to have Byram come in who missed half the year and play as well as he did with injuries on their back end to Gerard and whatnot, you know, I think the game is changing where you're getting uh, young players that can handle the stage. And I think because of that, coaches are maybe changing a little bit, but I, I, there's no question back in the day, you know, Hitch would, if he had to choose between a veteran player and a young player, he's going to trust that the veteran player is going to get it done.
0: Yeah. And I understand the philosophy. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, experience is experience, but I guess like showing trust in your young guys to generate experience and confidence. But yeah, situational, right? I mean, game seven is probably not the time to <laughs> yeah. t- be tinkering with that right. necessarily. But, um, right. But you still, like, I,
2: you know, when I was in L.A., we had the young players, like Drew Dowdy was still a young player, Martinez was a young player. We had the young Voynov kid was a young player, yeah. Trevor Lewis, a young player, Kyle Clifford. Jordan Nolan, Dwight King, they were all yeah, really. yeah. limited experience in the league, but we had people around them like Justin Williams and Dustin Brown, and Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, and all those types of people that you know, we weren't counting on those young guys to make decisions and lead us into tough situations. We were just asking them to do their job when it's called upon them. And then we had veteran core group that kind of Knew how to react to those situations. So we we're fortunate that way. Kopitar and Scuderi, I mean, yeah, we had, right. had tons of those guys, right? Willie Mitchell, yeah. you go down the list of guys Mitchell, that we yeah, had man. there, Jared Stoll. So I think that's important, but I think what I've seen in the last 10 years is that you, you can't just write off a young player and say, you know, he doesn't have experience, he can't do it. Yeah. You know, I think there's been lots of guys that have come in and have done it. Uh, there's been enough guys that have done it. Uh, you know, every year St. Louis won. Thomas was a star for that team, and yeah. right? he was just a yeah. kid. Yeah, right. uh, Bennington came in and was an unproven goaltender of the year St. Uh, St. Sure. Louis won. He was a third goalie in San Antonio to start the year, and he was the guy that carried him uh, to the Stanley Cup. So, I think you have to evaluate your players. I think you have to be objective. You can't have predetermined what they are or what they're not. I think you have to make an evaluation on a daily basis. Okay, he's been in some touch situations during the year. Okay, we put him on a power play late in the game, and he performed. Uh, or he had a checking role and he got stuck on the ice against Crosby and he was able to to do his job. Uh, And then I think now as more assistant coaches, you spend more time with players, you go over situations, so hopefully they can learn and be better prepared in the critical times uh, that we're seeing now. So I do think that part of the game has changed. Uh, I still think there's huge value in having veteran players that have been there, but I do think you need to sprinkle in some young guys uh, if you're going to continue to get better and stay competitive.
3: Yeah, I, I got a question, Johnny. I uh, talking about like coaching, and we're talking about Hitch, but um, Daryl Sutter. I'm Like, you got give me give us something good. <laughs> like, I mean, I just can't. I can't even watch. I just start smiling when yeah, I see him too. sitting yeah, at I the table die. for his daily press conference. You know, like like, and Chiefs told me a ton of stories about you know him when he played for him. You know, like back in the day. Like, he's Chiefs like. We're, we we're there early because I was always early as a player and he goes, having a coffee, we got the radio on and all of a sudden we turn around and Daryl's over there, ties undone. He's like in his stance saying, you better be fucking ready to play. And Chief's and just laughing. He goes, can't even hear him. You can yeah. read his mouth, <laughs> but he's like, it's, it's like quarter to four games at yeah, seven. But like, how was it working with him? Like, obviously you guys had, a, you won two cups together there. So I, I know it's the answer. It was great, but like, uh, You know, just what did you learn from Darrell or see from him?
2: Yeah, he's an amazing guy. He really is. And, uh, you know, he comes from a family of brothers that all played the game, and I think he's got some really good uh – fundamentals that are instilled in him from that I know I grew up in a family of four boys so I think you just foster this team mentor right off the hop just from growing up but he's got a personality that's hard to describe but the probably the biggest thing I learned from him because you go to LA right and there's lots of distractions yeah. the weather and what's going on but it really is a wonderful place to play and the one thing that he focused on more than anything else was preparation being ready to play Big difference between game days and off days. And he really put pressure on the coaches for that. He wanted the computer shut, walking around, spending time with players. But preparation, and you're not lying. Like, he goes in the locker room, team peers, and he doesn't leave. Like, so you go in there, six, eight-minute mark. You stay in there with the players, and he's spitting on the floor and <laughs> yeah, yeah. punching guys and making sure they're ready, reminding little details all the time. But he has this ability. He, he's one of the sharpest guys that I've ever coached with and and. Craig Berube is a lot like that as well. There's certain guys that you work with that when they watch the game, they see everything, and Daryl's one of those guys. You know, you might, I've been with coaches where you, gotta, you say something they've got to watch the video three times. Okay, oh, now I know what you're talking about. He sees it all. He sees anything happen out there, mischeck, guy pulling up, where he should have been, what the goalie's doing, the goalie's not where he's supposed to be. Like, he sees it all. It's amazing just how intelligent of a hockey mind he is and how quick-witted he is. I tell young coaches, if you want to learn, because you got to deal with the media at the NHL level, <laughs> yeah, watch right. Daryl's press conferences. Yes, He's a winners. master. Oh my he God. controls it. Right. Some of those guys are afraid to ask him questions, and it would be funny when you think he's not going to be funny, and he would be serious when you think he's going to be joking. Yeah, 100%. But, and he, he'll stick up for his team when he should. And he'll call him out when he shouldn't. I like Last year in Calgary, their goalie was awful, so he sent the goalie coach to the press conference.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's, uh, brilliant. But, yeah, he really?
2: Oh, he's on oh route. But he, he, he keeps everybody on their toes. But I can tell you this, because I worked with him for eight years, it's always about winning, and it's always it's for the team. And uh, I my mean, stories are endless, right? I can remember yeah. we were playing in uh, St. Louis one night, and Matt Green, who I love. Matt Green's just the ultimate team guy. And uh, he's out there beating the puck up. So I'm standing out at the DN. Greener comes off and sits down the bench. All of a sudden, I see the stick come flying over like a javelin and it goes right by my ear and lands in front of Greener on the bench. He goes, Try that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and then walks
2: good. away, right? So Greener just grabs a stick, hands it to me, and then gets ready for the next shift, right? But there's always stuff like that, you know, where stuff was going on or if something happened on the back end, I would go turn and walk to my right and he'd be standing right there. You know, like. Basically, letting you know, like, what the hell is going on there? Yeah. And don't, God forbid, you ever get uh, too many men on, on the ice penalty, which it didn't get many. I had to grab guys by the shoulder many times. Yeah. But he would not be happy. How hard can it be? You get three lefts <laughs> and three rights. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Yeah, right. So some of the stuff is obvious. But the biggest thing from him, well, he pushed all the time, high, high intensity, but. Preparation was a big responsibility, to the athlete, and preparation was a big responsibility of the coaches to make sure the guys were prepared and ready to play. And I'll guarantee you're going to find that with torts, right? It, it's a, it, the game is intense, you know. And uh, I know for Rouse was different because you had to worry about fighting all the time, but it, it's an intense environment and you can't go out there loosey-goosey. You can go out there relaxed in terms of knowing you have the confidence to be a good player, but you have to get yourself in a mind space where you're ready to perform because the game is fast, things happen quickly, you have to go through a mental preparation to kind of think through scenarios or you'll be ready for them, and Daryl was all about that. And he didn't mind, you could take your time off, you give guys lots of time off, lots of rest, You know, enjoy where you live in Southern California and all that, but game day was game day. Where you were in the standings mattered, and it mattered every day, and and I love that about him as something that uh, was had a big impact in on my philosophy as a coach.
0: I love that. Awesome. And his, his his sarcasm obviously is, is is humorous, you know, from outsiders' perspective. Yeah. Like, how, how do the guys take that? You know, when he throws a stick like that at Matt Green, like it's obviously funny, right? Like he he gets the point. You know, oh, yeah. Right, greener, <laughs> but like you guys must think that like is is when it's not happening to them, yeah. That it's you know it's it's kind of loosening them up a bit maybe or maybe maybe not.
2: Well, I, I'll be honest. I think as I said it earlier. Guys want to be pushed. Yeah. And I'll share a story with you and and, and it kind of maybe just a test of hopefully the relationships that, that I build and we build as coaches. But when I run into players that I was in L.A. with, I get a big hug. You know, like we're we're bonded. Same right. thing when yeah. I see you, Rouse. Yeah. If I see Josh Grattan, if I see Mike Richards, Jeff Carter. You know, there's a relationship there that's deep, right? And uh, I ran into Trevor Lewis, and uh, he came to see me after we played Calgary and Dallas this year. So I was talking to Louis, and then hit uh, Luch comes by, oh. Milan Luchic, who we had in L.A. for a while, gives me a big hug, and he starts talking to me because Luchic got to Edmonton and kind of lost his way, and he said, he said, you know, Johnny, he goes, I got playing for Daryl again, and he goes. It's just so simple. He goes. I I, st- I started. I was started worrying about points again and how I was playing. He goes. He just brought it all back to the team. Mm. You know. He just yeah. brought it back. Like, what are you going to do to help the team? And how are you going to make the team better? And Daryl has this ability to make everybody feel important. Doesn't matter if you're a fourth line guy. And I I like to think that's something that I've learned from being uh, in the Flyers organization over the years. That, you know, even if a guy is playing eight minutes, on the fourth line, or ten minutes, like you were. If we didn't have you, we'd be in trouble. Like the impact you had on the game was as big an impact as somebody who's playing 18 or 20 minutes. And Daryl has the ability to do that. He makes sure the stars are held accountable and the foot soldiers love that. Right. If yeah. you look at what happened with Johnny Goudreau last year in Calgary, he had the, he had the year of his life. Yeah. Right. And That's I wasn't true. sure Johnny and Daryl get along. I talked to Daryl about two months in the season. He loved them. Yeah. how hard he competed. And he said, you know, we got big guys to take care of him. Daryl knew yeah. they could Branson and Zdorov and Luchik and Richie and all these guys that if they try to take liberties on Johnny, that guys knew that. But he fosters this environment where, uh, you got to do your job for the team. It's not about you. And it did, you know, some of those guys are having big years and it started to be about them. That drives them crazy. Right. Yeah. They lost their way a little bit at the end of the year. And Daryl it's for him. It's simple. Right. You know, guys start thinking about themselves and he always say there's this, if there's a selfish guy in the room, we got to get him out." Uh, and he said that selfish guy in the room is me guy's thinking about me right we got to get that guy out of the room so we can start being a good team again so that's the way he's wired he's all about what's doing what's right for the team whether you're a star making 10 million bucks or you're a call-up guy you have to be committed to the to doing what's best for the team and you got to check and you got to have a foundation to check and everything else will fall into place and he does not go away on that
0: I can see that. Awesome. It's funny you mentioned Lucic because I think I mentioned to you like this past year, like, it's almost like he like, re-in- reinvented himself. He was banging, he was fighting, you know what I mean? And it, it, we said, like, geez, something's yeah. something let, let this guy up. And then we've heard that Johnny loved Daryl as well. So, I His mean, dad, like, he was telling me. Yeah, he really yeah so the feeling was mutual. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't get these inside scoops, you're not really sure. Because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, from what the, the media presents him to be, you know, I got the sour you know, sour face, sarcastic, and, you know, and obviously he's different with the, within the guys in the locker room. But
2: Oh, yeah, I've seen him. Though. Again, just to give you an idea, I, I and I'm not sure if it in a playoff game, but it very, very well could have been. I've been in tie hockey games third period, 2-2, two, two, and we get a power play and he put the fourth line on the ice because the top guys were awful that night. You, go, you know what, our, our fourth line can do what you guys do. We can go bat around for two minutes, take two minutes off the clock. So why, why do you guys big shots think you need to go over the boards because we got a power play? So he'd put the fourth line out, and no, no disrespect to Colin Fraser and those guys, but right. yeah. you know, chance of them scoring on the power play was not very high. But he he didn't care. He yeah. he, he thought holding them accountable for that was more important than the sure. power play. And he was right. You know, at the end of the day, power play is going to come through and score big goals at key times. But if all we focus on the power play and that you're given right, to just climb over the boards because we had a penalty and you're not working hard enough to be on it, you're not winning any puck battles, then why should we put you out there? Right. And yeah, he was prepared. great about that. You know, he's he, he had a great feel for the bench. And he would have no problem uh, to lose the, lose a the battle, win the war, right? Yeah. And he'd do that all the time, and I think it paid big dividends down the road in terms of uh, accountability for everyone.
3: That's yeah. awesome. Sure. Chief told told us a couple stories about him too. With uh, one was with Genela real quick, and Conroy was that who he played with. They had that line. I can't remember the other winger. I never can remember, but uh, or the other player on that line. But uh, he said the one night they they hadn't been very good, and the third period started, and they had a horrendous shift and. They came off, and Daryl went over and put his arms around him and said, hey, boys, you know what? I'm going to let you take the rest of the night off. It, it's hard out there. It's a tough game. You guys just sit right here. <laughs> never put them back on me. But so sarcastic. You know, it's, it's tough out there. I get it. You just sit right here. and you know, you take Have a little the rest. rest of the night. It's so fucking funny,
0: man. That's pretty good. Uh, uh,
2: you know what? You just triggered a thought in my mind here because uh, Drew Doughty is an elite talent. Yeah, But he's 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 got unbelievable passion for the game but his emotions get the best of him sometimes. And he is a little bit all over the ice. So it was the first year Daryl had taken over. I was kind of in the D and he used to yell down the bench, like "Call big shot or fancy pants. And he never called him by his name, but Drew, it would drive Drew crazy because he figured he was referring to him. Right. <laughs> so Drew has this shift where he's all over the map and it's a neutral zone face off. So Drew comes to the bench and, and Daryl comes on and goes, no, no, no. You go back, you go play right wing. And, and Drew's like, what? He goes, oh, no, no. <laughs> so he tries to get up. He goes, no, no, no. You got this game all figured out. Go go play right wing. So now <laughs> Drew's losing his mind, right? Because Daryl's making him go out and play right wing, so he lines up for the face-off. Puck drops, comes straight to the bench and changes right. And now he's banging a stick and slamming it. But and the guys loved it because Andrew yeah. was. He's some of those nights he was just he didn't know what position he's playing all over the place. But I mean he's a difference maker. Trust me, Drew Doughty is the best defender I've ever had. People think they don't understand about Drew is how good he defends and how much he cares about it. Yeah. Like he's just he's so gifted with the puck and the way he moves the puck and sees the game. But he's a winner. Like when the game's yeah. on the line, he makes a difference. He can tilt us if two teams are even. He can be the difference maker, so and I think Daryl knew that. So I think he knew that. Here's this young guy because Drew was a star before I got there, before Daryl got there. He'd won right. a gold medal with that's Canada. Right. He was a runner up for the for the oh, that's right, yeah, for the that's Norris. Right. But we all saw that he had a lot further to go if he was going to win. So anyway, Daryl uh, had Fancy his way I'm of getting him there. So. Uh, Obviously, uh, Drew had some great years for him and uh, had won two cups playing for him. And
3: yeah, he's, I'm competitive, sure he's got a lot of respect right? for him. Oh Johnny, yeah, like, oh yeah. Like I, I always noticed, like uh, I, was, I, able to, I was able to meet him a few times with Richie and, and those guys and uh, have a couple beers with him and everything. He was hilarious. But I always noticed on the ice, you could always hear him. He would be chirping our bench like. You know, when I was at the Flyers, and he would be there, and someone would say something. He'd just turn around, and you'd just be chirping, guys. Like, And I was just like, I love this, man. Like, yeah. kind of miss that because it's not as prevalent as it was before, but uh, he's a competitor and a hell of a player. You're right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say,
0: you mentioned, like, the emotional part of, of Dowdy, but, like, I was, I was talking to Nassie. Like, there's, there's one thing I remember about you as, as, as my coach, and, like, there was this level of professionalism, but the, the way you held – Yourself behind the bench, I always thought of it was like a sign of strength. Like, you know, like emotion, it's an emotional game, obviously. It's easy to blow up, and you know, one little thing happens, you know, puck slips off a stick, turnover, you know, you can blow up t- t- 100 times a game. I always thought it was like awesome how you held your composure, and I <laughs> took that, you know, into my personal life and like as a as a one of those like learnings, you know, working under you. But I know like Philly fans, you know, you have Hackstall yeah. coming in after, and it's like, it's like it's almost like they don't understand how to, contr- you know, the, the the ability to control emotion, and and they always want to see blow-ups because it's entertaining, you know. But like, maybe, can you talk to maybe like the, the importance of that because that that trickles over to your players, no question. It's
2: a great point, Riles, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I've gone to job interviews, it's something I have to address because you're not rah rah. But when they get to know me and you guys know me, the quiet intensity and passion I have controlled, to me, is way more important than an outburst that is meaningless, right? Sure. And I think when I first started coaching, it wasn't always that way. And the lesson I learned for me, and I think you have to self-reflect, we were playing, I don't know if it was my first year, it might have been, but we were playing first or second year. No, we were trying to make the playoffs and we were playing Norfolk and it was a team we were fighting with. So it's a game where there's not any much scoring chances either end. And there was a play that happened on the ice where a guy, high-stuck a guy, So I I stuck Derek, so it was clearly a penalty. But then you're on Derek's team, and at the end of the whistle, somehow you got cut on a totally unrelated play. Well, they they remembered the high stick, and they thought it was that was the one that cut you. But it was not. not. So in the minors, it's five minutes, not four. It's a five minute major. So I'm trying to get a hold of the referee, saying you got the wrong guy. Like yes, it's a penalty, but but they don't want to talk to you. So so now, and it's a one-one game. We got to win the game. Like it's neck and neck. Norfolk's the team we're fighting with. So I'm I'm stuck on this. I got get the wrong guy. Like, w- what are you doing? We get the wrong guy. So the puck drops, and they go by the bench, and Pete Vandermeer was on our team. And as the referee skates by, Pete goes, you got the wrong guy. And uh, whew, turns around, gives the bench a bench minor. So now we're down five on three for two minutes because it's a five-minute major. Oh, so I'm thinking, how can you make a call? So now I'm flipping out. How can you make a call like that? It's a 1-1 game. You can make a call. So then... What do you think happened? They scored on the power play. We lose 2-1. We get on the bus. We're in Norfolk. We go to Cincinnati. And I'm sitting there thinking about what happened. So I was thinking, if I'm a player sitting there watching me do this, right, saying, how can you make that call? What am I telling my players? I'm telling them we're in trouble. I'm telling my players we're going to get scored on, and I'm telling them that 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 penalty is going to make the difference in the game. Instead of saying nothing, oh, if the referee's got a problem, say something, but then focus on killing the penalty, right? Okay, five-minute major. Keep the shift short. You know, we want to lose lots of bodies. Every time there's a clear, let's get fresh people out there so you don't get caught, whatever it is, right? Yeah, right. And I, I always look back. So there's a saying that I go by when it comes to that is a frightened captain makes for a frightened crew. So if 100%. the captain's losing his mind on the ship, everyone's getting nervous, right? So I've always tried to remember that, and I, it's a good reminder for me. Okay, so you can't change the call. You can waste a lot of energy on an, a referee, or can you focus on what needs to get done here? And I've always tried to focus on what gets what needs to get done and save your energy into maybe communicate with the players on the bench instead of having this outburst that's not going to mean anything except, you know, putting on a show for the fans or maybe feeling a little bit better for 10 seconds but doesn't accomplish anything, right?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that, good insight. I, so I just wanted to finish on that is, like, it wasn't like you didn't show emotion because, like, you know, between periods, yeah. like, your, the eyes would go squirrely, you know, when the time was right. Yeah. And there would be some stick, you know, some sticks, Breaking and whatever else, right? <laughs> I mean, but like, I felt like on the bench, you did a good job of holding your composure. Yeah, I learned a 100%. lot from that because, to your, to your little quote there, that's exactly it, right? I mean, your, your players are just a reflection of, of you in a sense, right? I mean, how you met, how, how you carry yourself and, and is how they're going to generally carry themselves, maybe besides Boyd Kane, but
3: uh, oh, yeah, I get, the quietest guy in the world, and he <laughs> yelled at the refs from the time the puck dropped till it was over. Never seen anything like it. Oh, did it yeah. not blow your mind? He was the quietest guy, man.
2: Do you remember what we did with Johnny Way the one time? No. We, well, it was Locko year. <laughs> 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 he was our he was helper yeah. in the in the room. He just wouldn't stay off the referees. And um, we actually had Kerry Fraser come in that year and talk to the team. Just related to, you know, these guys are people. They're trying to do a good job. So we came in for the pregame meeting and I had Johnny, I got a referee's jersey. So <laughs> I so we walk into the dress team for the game, I bring Johnny Way in, stand in the middle of the room. I said, Keener, go ahead. Get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, no, sorry. Yana, yeah. Johnny, Way, And he kind of goes, he kind of got the match. But he couldn't help it. Yeah, he could not. But, he, but the good thing about it was his his passion was so, like you talk well, about net it, drive. Right? If you talk about going to the net hard. Like if you touch Boyd Keene around, he's 228 pounds, yeah. 4 oh, yeah. But if you touch him around the goalie, he would lose all his weight and flop on the goalie and fall into the goalie. And But he was around the net all the time. He played a heavy, heavy game. I don't know if you guys remember. He, he could hit. Oh, he yeah. He wow. on line with Mike Richards and uh, Johnny Sim at the end of that playoff run, and they were phenomenal. Scored yep, big yeah. goals, yeah. could check against anybody, and big hits just changed the complexion of the game all the time. So there's a little bit of a there's a line there you try to try and find, and Drew Doughty has that line, right? Same thing. He's an emotional guy that outbursts all the time, but you don't want to take that away from him because his passion what makes him great, right? right. He gets himself into trouble with the referees all the time. But he's a great player. I mean, he's probably one of the greatest defensemen in the game for the last 10 years, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I think that passion's got a lot to do with it. So you try and harness as he gets older to kind of make it more productive, but you don't want to lose it either. Yeah, right. So yeah, that, that's a fine line you got to walk.
0: Yeah, exactly. We actually recorded with Tony D'Angelo yesterday, and we actually had this exact conversation around, yeah. like, as he's matured over the years, how he's been able to navigate his emotion and, and, and you know, focus it and redirect it in a yeah. more positive fashion. So,
2: Yeah, you, I think the Flyer fans are going to love this kid. Exactly. I've known him right. since he's two years old, and I'll just share this quick story about Ant. I know the family really well, and we skate in the summertime. I run the skates, so, you know, you get down there at 7 o'clock in the morning. The kids are tired. You're in the locker room. They're kind of getting dressed. It's quiet in there. Well, the days he's there, totally different. The uh, locker room is a buzz. He's telling stories. Guys are laughing. Like there's so much energy in the room with him. The guys love him, and he's he, he's unreal. Comes on the ice, works hard. Uh, he's an elite talent. I mean, he's yeah. got offensive ability that you it's hard to teach. Uh, he's an extremely strong competitor. I know he's got his passions gotten in the way with him a little bit uh, in in the past, but I, I mean, if you look at the years he's had, uh, especially last year in Carolina on a team that was legitimately a Stanley Cup yeah. contender. Um, He's a good player with uh and he will bring some attitude to that team. You know, I think the Flyers, any team that struggles, I think they lose their identity a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think Tor- I think he'll, along with Torch, he'll help bring some of that back.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we were saying. And you know, after we after he had left and we'd wrapped up. We're like, I love this guy. He's like, yeah. he's so Philly. You know, he's got the right attitude. he's he, The energy you're talking about in the locker room, he brought in here. I mean, he was like, yeah. I feel like I'd known the guy for like 10 years, yeah. you know, and just talking yeah, he, and he, st- he was
3: here early. We'd shot the show, and then he hung around almost an hour, and we were just shooting the shit, and it, it was awesome. It, it yeah. was really good.
0: But, yeah, it would be nice for him to come back to Philly and bring that emotion. I mean, you said the identity. Um, yeah. At least bring that energy, that that fight. You know, that fight, just that, that hard. That hard guy to play against, you know, that emotional guy. Um, oh
2: yeah, and the Flyer, Flyer fans love that kind of hockey, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, no doubt.
3: Johnny, I I know uh, there's something you want to you want to correct here <laughs> from uh, one of our uh, episodes with Andy Delmore, and I may have screwed the story up, so I'll take the blame. But uh, we were telling the story about one time he threw his gear in the shower because he didn't hang it, and I I must I usually remember stuff pretty well, you but do. I I. Now that you told me something earlier, but you're making excuses for him, I think. Yeah, I was making excuses for him, but Johnny, you tell your side of the story here. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, just to give a little uh, background of the whole thing, we used to practice at Hollydell, and you had to take everything upstairs. So we went to Hershey for a road trip. So we get home early, and if we just left the trainers do it, they'd be there for three hours. But if we just all chipped in for 10 minutes, it'd literally take 10 minutes and save you guys a couple hours of work. So we get home, we would take all the bags, and there was an elevator for the heavy stuff, I believe, Mm -hmm. but we'd bring our bags upstairs, put them in our stalls, unpack them so they'd dry, and it would literally take 10 minutes and be on your way. And I was a veteran guy that had Andy Delmore, who was a young kid, extremely talented, uh, but not totally dialed into being a good pro yet. He sat next to me in the locker room. So I'm unpacking my bag, and you're unpacking his bag next to me, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, uh deli had to go i said well, why isn't deli doing he goes oh they're trying to make last call at odds it's a little pub around the corner right
3: <laughs> i just threw him right under the bus obviously i said, <laughs> Sorry, uh, deli. I said what <laughs> i said you leave that bag
2: alone and give me a shopping cart so i put his stuff in a hockey bag so we had practice in the morning pushed it in the shower opened it up turned the shower on went back finished unpacking my bag come back and unpack, and zipped it up and left it in the shower you said and don't I, you touch that don't touch it <laughs> and when he comes in the morning you tell him come see me so he comes in the morning looking for his equipment and you said, Did You go see Johnny. So I brought him in the shower and it was I said, Don't give me any dry stuff either. And I said <laughs> so I asked him what happened. He goes, Well, you know, we're trying to make last call. <laughs> I said, Well really, it took you ten minutes. You couldn't take ten minutes. Yeah. So anyway, that was the story. Derek thought he was just helping out somewhere else in the building <laughs> when really he'd scooted out to make last call at odds because we just got back from Hershey oh. and he was skirting the issue of trying to Tow a line for what he was supposed to do to help out. So yeah, it was a good lesson for Deli. It was. He ended up becoming a really good pro and having a good career. And he was on the team we, the Cup team we won in '98. Yeah. There's another young guy that was a big contributor in a pressure-packed situation, but you know, he was he wasn't always that way. And I think there's things we need to fix with Deli, right?
3: Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, there was. There was. I remember too, Johnny, just uh, talking about a little bit about your composure even as a player. um, I remember. Deli would always... He was doing stupid shit all the time, right? He was a kid. I was a kid then, too. But he was a young kid, and there was a couple times... I can't remember exactly what he had done, but he did something stupid, and, like, and it pissed me off. And I remember you just turn around at me going, like that, and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I need to calm down, you know, because like, I'm so hyper anyway. But, uh something just popped in my head what was it billy uh, was hard on him yeah Bill, yeah well that was i was i so was gonna
2: have my job was settling delhi down to stop yeah. shaking after billy all yeah. <laughs> Bill,
3: that i was gonna say it was so funny billy was so hard on dave mcisaac um and you know mac there's a timeout like they were radio timeouts or sometimes like johnny had said we were on tv too and uh they would throw acdc on and here's mac like guitar air guitar, so, air guitar yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm kind of chuckling at him because he's looking at me doing it. And I like turn to one time and Billy goes, that's you. That's you, Delio. You got to fucking cut it out. I'm like, I'm not the one on the ice dancing around. But I, I'll never forget, Johnny, when we were playing in that series against Hershey, we swept them and it, it was uh, huge. I think, did we start on the road? Did we start that series on the road or we started home?
2: No, because we, we finished in Hershey.
3: That's right. So I remember we we ended up winning that game two in overtime. And I remember Kosher... Saying let's win this game and we're gonna go up there and we're gonna we're gonna sweep these motherfuckers and uh, but it was funny Mac took a puck and he was so hot that series especially remember he had scored like I think he scored like every game in that series and Billy was always so hard on him for a reason for good reason you know Mac was a, was a little bit of a wild card but uh, I remember. Billy being on the phone, and I don't know who he was talking to, but after the night he took that puck, and he was always hard on Mac, and he goes, uh, I heard him on the phone say, our best player got hurt last night. I'm like, Best player? <laughs> when, did, when did Mac become our best player? But it was so funny. But Mac was hot. He, he had a great playoff. Everyone did. But um, it, that made me laugh, thinking about, about that with Mac. But uh, Billy was hard on was, was hard on Mac. And another thing, Johnny, like, remember, I just uh, jog my memory there with Kosher. I remember Kosher after our first game we played at home. I think we played Rochester, if I'm not mistaken, the first game. You scored the first goal in Phantoms history, too. Um, but we were winning the game 2-1, to one, Riggs. And the place is pretty much packed, right? It was close. It was like, you know, half full or whatever. But um, Kautcher's like, I'm taking the face off in the end. And we were up 2-1. And and someone yelled through the, the lens for the photographer, like, <laughs> we got the win. Now let's kick their asses. You know, and he goes, it's 2-1 to with <laughs> like a minute to go. The people wanted, oh, yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> but uh, those are good times. I had I just, that popped in my head there. It was so funny.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah. You still challenging guys on the bike? Uh, I still ride the bike a lot.
2: I, well, I can challenge young guys because yeah. the young guys come in, their foundation isn't anywhere near what it needs to be. So
0: Still doing that. I remember you challenge grats all the time. And yeah, you know, it,
2: Tony Vos still lives near Tony me. Vos. Yeah, can yeah, tell the right. story. We were playing, it was the year after we won the Cup, and we were probably end up being a 500 team. But we lost like 13 guys a year, almost like we're starting over Their prospects. And we were playing a game at home that, again, I thought we had to win to get in the playoffs and we had jimmy campbell oh, Tony, Vos, and jimmy's a great guy yeah, just, yeah. i was always on him i wanted to play harder yeah. and uh it was the end of a long weekend and we we're day off planned the next day so i came in after the game and said listen we need to get regrouped here take the day off get your rest except for you two guys you're gonna meet me on the bike tomorrow morning and I had this ride we used to do and it was brutal it's hard and i wasn't that far from playing so i could still put up a really good score so we got there. the the next day jimmy campbell was determined to beat me so he's racing out front but it was a 30 minute ride so if you went too hard you're, you couldn't finish the ride you have to stop so he's sprinting and then he's resting he's sprinting he's resting and then but tony didn't even try tony just said i'm just going to spin my wheels so right. we finished the ride and i crushed jimmy even though he and i gave him credit because he tried he's laying on the ground gasping for air <laughs> But Tony even tried, so he made Tony ride another half hour because he didn't even try. <laughs> but back then you could do that. Now the guys are so well-conditioned. Unless the young guys come in, like the young guys come in, I don't think they have any idea the level of fitness of the veteran guys and what's what's needed to play the game at that level every night. Yeah, You're playing 82 games with travel, the way guys take care of themselves. I think it's a real eye-opener for young guys. So, I mean, if we go to development camp, those things, yeah, I for sure I think I can hold my own. But the guys that are the seasoned veterans, I think I'm way back in the line now.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's Man. hilarious. I, I remember you just made me remember something else, Johnny, when we had Soupy, like Johnny was like Soupy was all over oh, yeah. all over the I map. I love Soupy. And uh, but he was so funny. And I remember he got suspended for something, he did something and, and uh we're going like he was always hanging around in his laundry anyway, right? Like so he was like he wasn't playing and uh, all of a sudden we're going down to the to the ice. And here comes a like, flex leads him out. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Ari, I think was the name of the kid. I'm like, he ain't that tall. I'm like, oh, my God. That is, that's Soupy. He put the flex. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, led to, and the guys were crying. I remember you saying to me, is that, is that Soupy or something? I didn't find
2: out till after the game. Yeah, <laughs> he, he high-fived <laughs> me going to the bench. Good luck, coach. But then when you guys told me that, I went back, looked at the video, and he had those CCM skates yeah. with the white. <laughs> yeah, right, Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a good memory. Oh,
3: my God. It was so funny. You tell
0: the stride difference. It was Mike Hart, was it not? Oh, was it
3: Mike Hart then? Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay. I thought it was, there was one kid that they had. It was just, he was there one year, and he was, like, high 24-7. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And he was the guy, he was dancing, and one of the Hershey fans punched him, I don't know if you remember, like punched him and the the flex mask turned and the guy's just feeding him and all you see is his head going (laughs) back like this because he he did something to the fan, a Hershey fan that pissed him off, but he was the same kid, like a few weeks later that skated out and he wasn't paying attention, he the Zamboni hit him, and it hooked onto his cape, and it was dragging him. Come and on. he heard, I swear to God, man, he was like he was high. 24 get, seven, this guy. I, don't, I think his name was Ari. I think that was his name. But anyway, whatever.
0: I like to think people could pick out the stride difference between <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Campbell yeah, and was, uh, fun. and but, Flex. Uh, That was funny. That was that was priceless. He was a character because he he was that was probably his last year playing. Was he not? He was. Soupy, right? Maybe Soupy, yeah.
2: Because uh, funny, the next game I thought he played great. Yeah. And I went down the bench, and his face was completely red. And I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around and I go, "It's hard playing the game the right way, isn't it?" He goes, <laughs>
0: "Yeah, <laughs> right." Yeah. Oh man, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome, good.
3: Man. He was great, though. He
2: was he was a fun
3: guy, and he was a good player. And yeah, yeah, he, he
0: certainly loosened up the locker room when he got him.
3: He was fun to be around. Yeah. Oh, man. Anything else to ask? I think that's it, man. Johnny, we really appreciate you coming on. We could sit here and talk for hours and tell stories, but uh, you've been unbelievable for him and I, and uh, you're an unbelievable person, one of the best people I've met in hockey. That's 100% sure, and um, we thank you for coming taking the time with us today. Well,
2: thank you guys, and I tell you what, this, uh, you guys are special to me, too. The Flyers organization is something that's been – really special to, to me and my family I think you know you're always saying once a flyer always a flyer yep. and, you know winning cups here with you Derek we've done that twice and Rouse yep. uh, the impact you had on our team it's not surprising there's so many people that are still living there and are affiliated with the organization because it has a huge impact on all of us so I appreciate coming on it's uh, it's good keeping in touch with you guys and love what you're doing so lots of luck in the future
3: thank you thanks
0: Johnny I appreciate it